Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute Tech Talk on coronavirus. I know everybody's worried about this. We're going to be talking about what coronaviruses are, what's going on with the outbreak. Uh, is it an epidemic? Is it a pandemic? Let's get all your questions answered. If you have any other questions, feel free to join us over on the proofing box on Facebook. Just put it in the search bar. Answer the one question I ask. Come on in and post your questions about coronaviruses. Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Cover your mouth when you sneeze. And get your flu shot, my friends. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Okay, so with that, thanks everybody for joining me um, today. And now I want to dive into talking about coronavirus. I have been getting a ton of questions about coronavirus and what on earth is going on. And so office hours this week are dedicated to coronavirus. <laughs> so I want to I wanna start with um, understanding what coronavirus is. All right, so corona, coronaviridae, so we're going to do a little virology 101. So coronaviridae are a group of viruses that cause diseases in uh, animals, lots of different kinds of animals, mostly mammals and birds. Um, and in people, they by and large cause respiratory infections. So if you've had a cold, you've had a coronavirus because we think most of our colds are coronaviruses. The problem is when they mutate, okay, and they become SARS or MERS or the novel coronavirus that we have. There are no vaccines or antiviral drugs. There are people who are creating them. I will tell you, we have plenty of coronavirus vaccines in animals. Um, and that's really kind of where this um, story starts, all right? So coronaviruses are in all of our respiratory systems. They are called enveloped viruses. And we viruses are in two kinds. There are two kinds of viruses. We have enveloped viruses and non-enveloped viruses. Non-enveloped viruses, so parvovirus is a non-enveloped virus. And for those of you who have animals, you know that parvovirus, or well, maybe you don't, but no. <laughs> parvoviruses uh, sustain themselves in the environment for a really, really long time. So that's why we give our mamas vaccines um, like three weeks before she's due with like Farrowshore or whatever, because it covers uh, parvovirus for uh, hogs. And if you get a parvovirus in your environment, it's almost impossible to eradicate. I went to vet school in Georgia, as many of y'all know, and um, we have a huge parvovirus problem because we only have like a 50% vaccination rate. Uh, you know, if you want to like keep your puppy healthy, get them those puppy vaccines. Coronaviruses are definitely in those vaccines and parvovirus is in there. And parvovirus is an unenveloped virus, which means it has the shell on the outside of it that is very hardy and it persists in the environment for a very long time. Coronaviruses have an envelope and that envelope is like a lipid and it is um, not hardy. And that when that lipid dissolves, the coronavirus itself also dissolves. Coronaviruses are, they're um, so named because when you look at them under a scanning electron micrograph, 
they look like they have a halo because they have all these proteins sticking out from their um, from the surface of the viral particle, and it under a microscope it looks like it looks like a halo. All right, because of course corona means crown or halo in Latin, and um, and and we only discovered these in the in the sixties when this scanning electron microscopy. Uh, was coming was coming about all right so um they have we call it causes infectious bronchitis in chickens which you should have your chickens vaccinated for by the time they get to you it causes um respiratory disease in pigs it causes and then in people we have we have lots of issues so um what then so that's kind of the 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 morphology uh, how it looks of the coronavirus Coronaviruses as respiratory viruses are communicated when an animal coughs or when a person coughs. And then this is where things start getting really weird, um, is that the, the coronaviruses, SARS, uh, Sudden Acute Respiratory Syndrome, um, I don't think Middle East, MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, I don't think that came from bats, but we are learning that there are a lot of diseases that bats harbor that make us really, really sick. Okay. Uh, it is, I don't think anybody really knows why, um, they are so cross infectious. So any disease that an animal can give a person is called a zoonotic disease. And bats across the world have lots and lots of zoonotic diseases. The most common one anybody's ever heard of is rabies. So I live in Maine. We're in a rabies endemic area. Um, and about 20% of the bat population has rabies, right? So in Australia, we call that batless virus. Other people know bat viruses as Marburg. Um, the, so the filoviruses, Marburg, Ebola, those kinds of things. Uh, those all are, those have all been traced back to bats. Um, the coronavirus, SARS, was traced to a bat origin. And the novel coronavirus, we're just calling it novel coronavirus, also has a bat origin. And so there is what, what's happened, and this is purely from a public health perspective, okay, is that there are markets and people in parts of China where people have very, very close contact with wildlife okay the the wildlife trade in china is no joke it's no joke folks uh, and the proximity within which people and wildlife um and domesticated animals live in contact create a kind of perfect storm for um zoonotic disease transmission okay and so what happens is, is that somebody gets the disease and then the public health infrastructure doesn't catch the disease. And diseases only really become super problematic when all of these statistics about the disease uh, start, they start, um, multiplying from what we call the index case. All right. So this is a little bit of public, a little bit of public health stuff around the coronavirus. All right. So, uh, we have, we have 
actually very little idea of how many people are infected in China and how many deaths because the Chinese government systematically underreports and they by and large do not participate in our public health planning infrastructure. Um, and they use a lot of their position on the Security Council in the UN. Um, it is the rare time, and, and it has happened, it happened in the Ebola outbreak, but it's the rare time that, the, that China really full in full force participates in public health conversations. Um, and that's for, for lots of different reasons that the communist government will give. <laughs> um, but the problem is, is that we cannot really rely on the statistics coming out of China because boots on the ground observations of public health professionals who are not affiliated with the government in China show the Chinese government chronically under-reporting uh, uh, sicknesses, so morbidity and mortality deaths. So there is a, um, there is some question about how the virus might have entered from bats. The index case said that transmission may have occurred at the Hunan fish market, um, wildlife and meat and fish. But the analysis of the, the, the virological, like the, the gene sequencing analysis from the first cases don't show a really clear picture. What they do show is that there are lot there were 13 people in those in those initial cases that had no contact with the fish market and it's entirely possible then even though people are looking at this fish market that the infection happened elsewhere and it's being spread person to person so there are people who who are sick who report no contact with wildlife which the only other thing to say is, is it's person to person contact. If you're not interacting with animals and you're interacting with people and you get sick with a respiratory disease, it comes from the people, right? So the other thing is, is that it is entirely possible looking at the genetic sequencing that this has been going on for much, much longer than the first reported case, which was 21 December. And that the virus may have been circulating months earlier than that, all right? And the virus could have been in the population and causing disease. One of the things we don't know about this virus is whether or not people are infectious during what we call the latent period. And the latent period is where you have a virus in your body and you're showing no signs of it. We are, one of the things that is worrying about this virus is, is that people are infectious during the latent period. Um, so the, that is worrying because we have to worry about something called the reproductive index or the R0 of the virus, okay? So the R0 of the virus right now is at 2.2 and that's the number of people on average who are infected by a single infected person. In comparison, SARS, the, the R0 was about three. Um, in the only pandemic that we are experiencing right now in the world, which is AIDS, HIV AIDS, uh, the R0 is also three. When we get the R0 below one, that's when we've stopped infections, right? And that's when the outbreak is halted. So that's the, so that's some of the, 
um, some of the epidemiology. The incubation period, it looks like, is about 5.2 days, you know, kind of between four and seven. And there is, so there's lots of, there, there's lots of things to be worried about because what we are getting these reproductive rates based on data that we don't 100% trust. So there are lots of people who are looking at things like, um, looking at better data. The Lancet has published that the R0 is 2.6 and the case doubling time is 6.4 days. So every 6.4 days, we have double the number of cases which means that there are closer as of the end of January, so a couple of weeks ago, 25,000 cases in Wuhan. Um, and what is what, um, what then transmission rates are based on some other statistics and some case fatality rates. Um, if you look, if you do the math, all right, which I'm not going to go over, there are virologists who have calculated the case fatality rate is 3%. The 1918 Spanish flu was less than 3%, okay? And that, I mean, I think the estimates of the Spanish flu and, you know, like the soldiers that they brought it back from World War um, World War I, uh, the Spanish flu wiped out a lot of our population like a really high percentage of our population. So um, so that's some of the, that is some of the epidemiology and the virology. And, and what I really want to make a case for is supporting public health infrastructure. <laughs> okay, because we only know these things when we have accurate numbers that we can rely on. So with all of that said, what do you do? Well, What's happening is, is that they're quarantine every, quarantining everybody, they're locking everybody down, and they are letting, I mean, they're like letting nobody in or out. This is actually the wrong response. If you look at the Ebola response um, in uh, Africa in 2015-2016, the UN Security Council authorized the use of military force to help with the logistics of it. So we didn't go in with guns blazing because you can't go in with guns blazing against a virus because it doesn't work. Um, but we set up military hospitals and things like that. And we deployed in a military military epidemiologists. Like you probably don't know that we have military epidemiologists, but we do. <laughs> very, epidemiology is very important in the military. Okay. And the, um, and what was fascinating is, is because we had that, that, um, logistical response and we set up hospitals and things like that, we were able to halt the outbreak and not create a pandemic. So when you have an outbreak of disease, all right, you have, you can have isolated cases, you can have epidemics, which is cases that are, um, cases that are, 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 uh, geographically isolated. So the Ebola virus was an epidemic because it was geographically isolated to only a few countries, Sierra Leone, um, uh, the Central Africa, Central African Republic and the Congo, I think. Um, and no, the Congo is the Central African Republic. Uh, one more country whose name I'm forgetting, but it was isolated to those areas. And so it was an epidemic, not a pandemic. HIV AIDS is a pandemic because it is worldwide. And the only places that don't have any cases of HIV are the ones who refuse to report. We know HIV is everywhere, right? That's what makes it a pandemic. 
That's the only pandemic that we are currently under. We have had epidemics of viruses. In 2013, I think, we had an epidemic of, in the United States, of flu. And, and like 60,000 people died of the flu. But we think, oh, it's just the flu. And, and, and when, when, when elderly people are dying of respiratory disease, we think, you know, pneumonia is the old man's friend. It's really a flu death. Like, it's really a flu death, okay? Maybe they were old and their body couldn't fight it, but it's still a flu death and it still killed them, all right? And that gets part of, that, that gets counted as part of the number, okay? And so that's what, that's where we are. That's where we are. This, this, the public health response in China worries a lot of public health in, in uh, individuals. Cutting people off means, if you cut people off, it means no public health officials can go and help because they're afraid they're not going to be able to get out, right? That's what happens when you close borders in epidemics. You reduce the number of people who can go and help. You don't, you don't make anybody safer. And if you look at the, the response of what happens, people end up lying about where they've gone. That's what happened in the first Ebola outbreak. Um, and they had cut off a, they, in, in, what was this, in like 2008, and they had isolated areas and things like that. that. People don't do that. We don't have plague villages. People leave. And there was uh, somebody, there was, a, there was somebody who predicted, um, who is a practitioner of ritualistic burial practices that we have shown contribute to the spread of Ebola. Um, and he lied to officials and escaped out of a quarantined area so he could go do his job. And he ended up transmitting, he died himself and he ended up transmitting Ebola um, and making the problem much, much worse. This is probably what's happening in China. We just don't know because of the lack of transparency. All right, so public health means something. And what I want to emphasize is get your flu shots, right? Wash your hands. This is a respiratory virus. If you are traveling, invest in invest in a, in a surgical mask. And a real surgical mask, not the dust masks that you buy at Home Depot. You can buy surgical masks. Though I have heard there's hoarding of surgical masks, which is ridiculous. But if you are traveling um, on an airplane, going to, going to, going, especially going to an airport with like lots of international flights, which is any of the big airports. So if you're going to Portland Jetport, I wouldn't really worry about it. But if you're going to Logan, I would. <laughs> All right. Um, and so lot, surgical masks and lots and lots of hand washing. This is not a sturdy virus, right? Wash your hands. Soap and water. Don't worry about the Purell. You don't need it. Soap and water. Okay. Contact time. All right. Get under your nails, that sort of thing. And wash your hands after after sneezing or blowing your nose or anything like that. Or if somebody coughs near you, just get up and wash your hands. So, and if you're worried, you can wash your face a little bit. All right, so that's what we got. Doesn't look like anybody has any questions. I'm going to finish my coffee and go take a shower because um, it's time for me to really get started on my day after doing all that snow shoveling. All right, I love you all. You are amazing. I will be back on the podcast again next week. And uh, send your questions. You can type them in in the proofing box or DM me or whatever. So you're amazing. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.